Welcome to season two of Alignment. On this season, we're focusing on tech crimes. This sounds pretty dark and nefarious, doesn't it? Well, we're not talking about deep, dark internet crimes, but rather our trespasses as business professionals and technologists. Think of them as the no-nos that you just don't do. If it's warm enough to have sandals on, lose the socks, right? Okay, all right. (laughs) That's my point. You make my point. So today we have uh, Scott Linson, who just, just jumped in there, and he is going to help me explore uh, some of the crimes that we, and by that I mean me, commit against uh, good design and good user experience. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. You and I obviously talk a lot, and I enjoy our conversation, so I think this will be fun. And the feeling is mutual. (laughs) Before we begin, I thought it would be good for our listeners to know exactly what you do in your work as a UX designer. There might be people listening that don't, they might have a vague idea what a designer is, but user experience might not be in their lexicon. So what, uh, what are some of the things you're responsible for and what are your days look like? Uh, this is a big question. There's people in the UX <laughs> field who have a vague idea of what UX is. Um, user experience is a broad uh, examination of what makes for a good web experience. It's pretty, it, I understand why people think it's vague because it's very broad, but I came to it from the design side. So it oftentimes gets associated uh, with front end design, but I think it's really become much larger than that. I think we all recognize that we're all such digital natives now in terms of apps and our phones and devices that we appreciate the value of having a task that we need to complete uh, on a digital device or within an application. We want that task to be easily understood, easy to do, and we don't really want to have to think about it as, you know, to get it done. So that's at the core what UX is meant to do is to kind of streamline those things. It covers a lot of areas because it can talk about information architecture, it can talk about you know, path flows, <laughs> um, those kinds of things. But at the core, it's uh, empathy for the user and trying to make their tasks as easy as possible. Okay, cool. That's a great explanation. And listening to that, expl- to that explanation, it's hard to, to imagine why that would not be highly valued. Every one of us has had experience on websites submitting forms, signing up for things that were just abysmal and others that were just seamless. And those are the, those are important things. If you want people to use your software, you better make it easy to use. But as a developer, I haven't always uh, seen the value um, and I've not always been a good citizen of the, the community. Just in your experience, what are some of the ways that developers, and maybe not just developers, but, but team, teams in general, agile teams or non-agile teams, regardless, uh, things that, that they've done to make your job a little more difficult uh, or just been a little painful for you? Um, man, that's a good question. 
And knowing the topic coming into the, today's discussion, you'd think I'd be better prepared. Um, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I think UX to me sometimes still feels like a young discipline, in that um, people don't always fully understand the kind of value that we can bring to the table. But you also make an excellent point that as we do become more sophisticated um, digital users, all it takes is one painful experience to kind of begin to make us realize that there are bigger forces at work. So I think as we as the digital landscape becomes more competitive, you are seeing people looking for easier, more streamlined experiences. And if you have uh, bumps in the road that used to be commonplace, you know, five or 10 years ago, those are not viable in the marketplace anymore. So we people are understanding that this is something valuable that we do. So I think that's one of the first tech crimes is just undervaluing kind of what UX is or what we do. Um, but specific to developers, and I have to say right off the bat, I have a ton of respect for developers. I know a little bit of front-end code as part of my job, but uh, I've always had deep respect for what back-end uh, developers and programmers in general do. Um, so I think the uh, oftentimes the biggest hurdle for me when working with hardcore developers is the lack of two-way respect. So if they don't necessarily understand what I bring to the table, they don't always value my input. And when I do provide input, it's easier for them to either dismiss it or kind of downplay it because they just don't, you know, they don't get it. So, but I would say that with those developers that I have had a chance to work with closely, we almost always do better and we come out with a better product in the end. Cool. Thanks. So um, when you when you face a situation in which you you think maybe you're not being taken seriously enough that the UX input is sort of like pro forma, you know, just okay. The UX person has to talk. Thank you. And then we're going to go off and do our business. Um, how do you handle that? How do you how do you build that bridge? It sounds cliche, but. I really do think that in the modern business environment, communication is kind of key. I, it's interesting to me how, as a culture, we keep kind of coming back to this notion of we just need to be open and communicative with each other right. um, in any arena that we're in. And so, as I said, in those instances where I've gotten a sense of a little bit of pushback uh, toward UX in general, the more I'm able to sit down and communicate with people, especially if we're looking at practical problems. So if somebody says, you know, we're just not getting enough retention on this login path, uh, the more we talk about it and the more we kind of uh, discuss the broader uh, experience for the user, it really does kind of solve a lot of those issues. The, the more we know about each other and the more we understand how we're approaching the problem, and I, 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 hesitate, I hesitate to say everyone is well-intentioned, right, within the, the workspace. So even though a developer may think, you know, what's UX all about, and he may look at me as kind of shady, we're both trying to solve a problem, and we're both trying to make things better. So once we get past all that, I think it's easy for us to right. kind of get down and kind of work on making, you know, right. making fixes. I know I've always looked at you as kind of shady. So. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah, thanks for that. That's uh, that's helpful. Uh, some of the things that I've, uh, and, and this is true confession time, 
Uh, some of the some of the things over the years, and I've been doing this for more years than I like to think before UX was even a thing. Some of the some of the crimes that I personally have committed. Uh, the first one you mentioned was not valuing what UX adds to the project. The uh, some of the others are you know sometimes I look at a, a design and I don't agree with that design, and I don't know why I do don't agree with it. I don't have any design training or experience, <laughs> but somehow I know better than the, than the pros. Um, and sometimes, and, and I, I really, this is hard to admit, but sometimes I've just taken their input and just ignored it and just done what I wanted to do and then had to answer embarrassing questions later. <laughs> like, how did this happen? What happened to those mock-ups that we had I'm originally? Because I'm a jerk? So I, I'm sympathetic. You, have, have you run into that or am I just sort of pathological? No, I absolutely have run into that. And, and I called out that I came into UX via design. I've known other people who've come to UX from front-end code. I've, I know people who've gotten into UX from a more research-based uh, background. So I'm sympathetic to people who have design issues because there is undeniably an, an element of subjectivity to design. Um, you like this shade of blue. I like that shade of green. You know that that stuff that is never going to be resolved in a in a in a real sense. But the key to me for usability testing and for and for excuse me for user experience is in this notion of usability testing. Is that somewhere along the line somebody had the idea of taking these notions of what we think are right and wrong to the users themselves and putting it in front of them and giving them a chance to to mess with it and try it out and go through work paths. And the user, in, in essence, it's kind of like the old expression, the customer is always right. The user always kind of finds those pain points. So you may think that a certain color or treatment for a button or a call to action is, is perfect or, or bad or whatever, but as long as the user can find it and recognizes it and, and is tested as being uh, effective, that's that's the final answer. That's what comes out in the wash, and I think that's what we're all um, learning to recognize in the work workspace is that empathy for the user, um, kind of putting yourself in the user's shoes, and thinking of the context in which they're approaching a given task, is what we're all kind of working toward. We're never going to get it right probably the first time, and that's where egos kind of get involved, but. If we're all working toward the same end goal, I think that's where we meet with success. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the user. What about the client? What about the customer? I mean, we, we're we're kind of picking on developers because I'm a developer and I, you know, I'm just a, a self-deprecating kind of guy. <laughs> but sometimes clients don't un always understand the decisions that designers make. How do you communicate to the client? How do you prove to them that that maybe your design is better than what they're suggesting? Again, I think testing is a great go-to if you have the budget and the means to be able to user test. And it doesn't have to be extensive. It can be, I think uh, research has shown you only need, you know, six to eight uh, valid users to kind of see if something is gonna, is, is gonna work. But, there's also best practices, like that's the other thing. The, the, the internet is great about aggregating data. So all of these tests across multiple web applications have been happening out in the wild. 
and a good UX or, or, or researcher is going to have access to that data. So you can ba uh, back up your argument, you know, with data in the field. Um, you can point to examples, um, those kinds of things. And funnily enough, um, <laughs> uh, clients tend to be won over more quickly, I think, to UX value than developers, in my experience. Only because developers, <laughs> but I have so much respect for developers because they, at the core, of what they do, it's kind of like um, there's a black box element to programming, right? It's like uh, knowing what color you want your car to be versus the mechanic who actually knows how a rack and pinion works. You know, like that's a that's a really specialized piece of knowledge, and to be able to make ideas come to life in a web application takes a very uh, a, a big amount of skill. Yeah. And, but to your point, we we rarely have to eat our own dog food. <laughs> right, you know, right. We so don't, we don't ra we rarely use the software we build. Yeah, I suppose if we were well, made to do that, we would have a little more empathy. <laughs> but it's also, I think, uh, I think it's also a, a an, an idea of what you're focusing on. So when you are the mechanic, you know, I've been in I've been in. Um, situations with projects. So one of the one of the crimes that I thought of when I was thinking about this session is um, in the in the notion of communication, I've worked on teams where the developer refused to divulge or share technical constraints. So I'm kind of blue skying it as a UX designer, but at the same time there's very real technical constraints on the back end that are going to prohibit some of the ideas that I want to sell. What do they do? Just stew about it? Do they get upset? I mean, what? Well, what no, they, they they wait for me to make my pitch, and the client buys in, and the stakeholders, and then at the end of that process, when it moves more into the development cycle, we can't do that. You know, we get the answer back that this is too big of an ask, given the structure. And if we had only known that at the beginning, we could have looked at it yeah. in light of that new information and gone a different way. Hi, so. I'm Ken, and I love saying no. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah. That's so. bizarre. So uh, you said technical constraints. Sometimes I've noticed uh, among developers, me, that when something looks hard, I don't want to do it. Say, But you don't want to. You don't want to be a, a weenie and just say, well, that's just too hard. I don't want to do that. Uh, how do you handle that? Let's say you they're saying it's too hard and you as a th know for a fact it's been done. <laughs> well, again, I think it goes toward respect and tact and diplomacy. But... Um, and I get I the other thing I think a crime that UXers do to developers is that because we don't understand the complex sort of mosaic that code can be behind the curtain, we think it's a, a piece of cake to kind of change an interface or change a path, a data path, when in fact it represents a, a big chunk of work, you know, to the developer. So uh, one of the things that I really appreciate having learned, you know, moved more into an agile kind of structure is that those considerations are meant to be communicated and sized and right. kind of baked into the, yeah. the sprint, right? So if I say, this is the path I think that's going to be best for the user, and the developer says, well, we can do that, but that's going to represent X amount of work that we have to do to make that change, as long as everybody knows that and can build it into the project, 
it can move forward successfully. I think a lot of times, like you said, the, the notion of something being different or hard or rework, that's, a, again, another human, that's a natural human reaction. But if we know that we're all pulling toward making the best project product for the user in the end, we can factor in those things. We can factor in those changes in that work and, and still move forward. Right. Yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of times these conflicts occur because people are afraid. Mm-hmm. They they don't want to be the person that holds up the project. They don't want to be the person that delays the project. Absolutely. And so there's there's a tendency to 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 overreact sometimes. And as a developer, I've I've had to train myself over the years to not say anything right away. Just take it all in and then bring it up, but don't because my initial reaction would be, what? <laughs> you know, and that's that's generally not well accepted. Yeah, yeah, no, well it's received. It's funny that you say that because um, uh, I, I saw a comedian recently with the hashtag adulting. And so, I, I again, I keep kind of coming back to, I've been listening to a lot of Brene Brown recently too, so that may be a factor. But communication, owning one's emotions, allowing... Um, sort of respecting the way you feel, but not allowing it to kind of sabotage the process. I think everybody's working through these types of issues in many ways. And I think the quarantine probably surfaced a lot of that for, for a lot of us. But in the workspace, that's you're absolutely right. I've been in situations where if there's a new ask or a new twist or something comes along that requires a major change, yeah, you do tend to turtle up, you know, it's like you want to protect yourself and be like, yeah. oh, no, you know, but if you can manage that and talk it out and see what it entails, nine times out of ten, it's never as big of a boogeyman as you might have imagined, and you can always work through it, right? Right, right. Yeah, the uh, the fears are almost always unrealized. I mean, just it just doesn't happen. And if you can cultivate a an atmosphere of safety for people, mm-hmm. then you can you can mitigate some of that. I mean, that's a great point. That's a great point. But any of us that have ever been in a toxic environment, and anybody that's been around long enough, has probably experienced that, knows that that uh, some managers look at fear and intimidation as a legitimate management tool, and yeah, that you know, may be, not, and and you might just have scars and bruises that that you don't want to revisit. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that may yeah. be the biggest tech crime of all, right? Yeah. Is allowing that stuff to kind of govern the way we do right. our work. Good point. Yeah. Yes. Nicely done. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I think I think uh, let me let me just summarize what we what we've got so far uh, or what we've talked about today in order to promote good user experience. Uh, we need to have empathy for the user. I mean, mm-hmm. We need to put ourselves in the user's place yes. and say, how, how is this experience really? How, not how do I want them to, to view it, what do I want them to say, but how, how is this really going to be to use? If I, if I had to use this system or if, if one of my kids had to use this system, Yes. How would how would that work out? Would I be happy with the result? And that and that's a great starting point. Um, I think I don't want to <laughs> go down a rabbit hole, but the other thing that I've talked about among professionals is this notion of a happy path, 
Um, I think a lot of times we kind of take for granted the ideal context in which a, a, a piece of work is happening. That's not always the case. So I think empathy for the user is a great starting point, but then you also kind of have to think what context is the user going to be using this in? And are there uh, contexts that I can't you know, anticipate right off the top of my head that may come into play? So that's why it's so important to start with empathy because you're going to discover even more stuff down the road as right. you go. Right. Yeah, that's good. Another another takeaway is uh, respect for your coworkers. We respect each other's talents and, and skill and education. Some people have spent a lot of time honing their skills. We shouldn't uh, just dismiss what someone else says out of hand ever, but but especially in the context of a professional environment. Uh, people are on the team for a reason. Maybe I don't see the reason, but you know they didn't ask me, so I need to I need to uh, to be open a little more open minded and show some respect. And then uh, the third takeaway is is something we've hit on in every one of these podcasts is uh, clear communication, mm. clear direct, uh, empathetic communication is is absolutely essential for the effective working of a team. Mm-hmm. And to put out, uh, put out good products. I recently did my taxes, and I use TurboTax every year, and their user experience is just an absolute delight. You just, and, no, and I, I agree. don't. I'm not on the payroll, mm-hmm. so I'm not. I, I don't have affiliate links for you to click, but uh, they have got this down. Of course, they've had 20 years to to refine this experience, but. Where whatever you're doing, you can go back forward. You can, yeah, take it up where where you left off. And it's, I can't imagine something more complex than taxes. Yeah, but they've got it figured out. So we know it can be done. We know it can be done. And uh, you know, I think clear communication uh, all the way down is uh, is vital to that. Yeah. No, you've raised a lot of really great points. uh, and I think to the notion of respect, I think you, in couching it in kind of lowest ego kind of terms, it's like there's a lot of uh, sense of I can do that, right? We have our own kind of area of expertise. And I think a lot of times, especially within the design world, coming into something, p- other people outside of our discipline think, I can do that. Like we've all looked at things where it's like, eh, that's not, you know, I could have done that. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's the wrong question. I think it's, we can all we all know what we can do we all have our skill sets but what we're finding out or at least what i'm finding out is that if you do you do come to a team with respect and you do communicate your point of view and you kind of chew over a problem it's not what you can do but it's what you can do that gets made better so i have it's very rarely that i've been in a situation where i've brought my set of skills and a developer has brought a set of skills that we haven't done better together, that we end up with something that would have been better that either one of us could have done on our own simply because we had the, the safety, as you said, mm-hmm. to kind of share those ideas and kick things around. I think it, it always makes things better in yeah. the end. That's great. So I think that opens us up to a fourth takeaway, and that is collaboration, mm. effective collaboration. We, we don't do as well on our own. Mm-hmm. The, the, the worst thing that that you can do to me as a developer is just shut me in a room and slide requirements <laughs> under the door. 
Um, and the occasional pizza. And the occasional pizza. <laughs> Very occasional. I mean, like every other hour. But, <laughs> but um, so we, we basically we've we've got four uh, four takeaways: empathy for the user, uh, respect for coworkers, clear and direct communication, and uh, effective collaboration. Uh, just a, working together as a team. So that's. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for for being uh, with me today. It's it's been a real pleasure. It's been very informative. So I hope that something we've talked about today has uh, has struck a chord with you. If something has inspired you, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at engagepartners.com. <laughs>